Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. This is Barbecue Nation After Hours, the conversation that took place after the show ended. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey, welcome to After Hours here on Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, along with all my studio crew here in the Turn It, Don't Burn It studio. Um, that's kind of our motto, too, uh, Chris, On not only on the show, in life, it's Turn It, Don't Burn It. And we're talking with Chris Sussman, the uh, author of The Four Fundamentals of Smoking, um, Pitmaster Secrets to Making of Incredible Barbecue at Home. Now, Stephen is... Um, well, if you look at the back of the book, and to tell you the truth, I never really looked at the back of the book till just now, but he's got Stephen Reichlin, Tuffy Stone, Ray Lampy, and Mark Anderson um, for, wrote some endorsements for him there on the back of the book. So you, you're keeping good company, my friend. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very blessed. Um, uh, I'm very blessed to have networked pretty well. I do a lot of work. My name might not be a household name, and really, I could care less if it ever becomes one like those guys. But I'm I'm finding myself more and more as I get into the barbecue career at festivals, at events where I'm cooking alongside or near or on the undercard with these guys. If you think about it, like in the band environment, I'm like the little the little name band, and they're the big name band. Yeah. But uh, you know, and then the other thing about it is it's just I fancy myself a people person. I like to get to know people. I like to talk to them about them, not about me. And so I've, I've had the pleasure of meeting all these people and working with them over time and in different forms or fashions. And they were all very gracious with uh, their endorsement for my book. I was happy to get that. Yeah. I think the only one I haven't had on the show was Mark Anderson and his, his times are coming, but Steven's, yeah. on, Steven's on at least once or twice a year. Ray's on about once a year. Tuffy's on like every two years. Cause He's between running his restaurants and doing the competition circuit. He's always pressed for time, but yeah, all, all of them are great bee. guests. Yeah, he's 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 really good. I like Tuffy a lot. Oh, I like all of them. Um, and Stephen, yeah, well, it's weird with, with Tuffy. Uh, I go. I predate both of our barbecue uh, careers. When I was going to college in Richmond, Virginia, because I grew up in Northern Virginia. When I was going to college in Richmond, Virginia, I used to moonlight. I used to work at a restaurant called Millie's in downtown Richmond, Virginia. And it was a very popular restaurant in the early 90s. And Tuffy was one of the chefs there for about a year. So I worked in the kitchen and on the floor. And so Tuffy and I worked together pretty closely in close proximity for about a year and a half. And then our past didn't cross again until 20 years later when I started getting into competitive barbecue with Disney Pig Barbecue Team. And I saw Tuffy at, at, at one of those festivals and connected the dots and the rest is history. So 
Tuffy has been very generous because I think of our time together many moons ago. Um, <laughs> but he, but he is a busy guy and a very talented man. He's really good. Yeah, he is. He is. So that leads me to ask you, um, Chris, you, you do compete your, you know, you get out there on the circuit and you do stuff. Again, there's two schools of thought that the, some of the big competitors say, I cook the same at the competitions as I do at home. Uh, and I always kind of response tongue in cheek, like maybe, you know, be, because competition barbecue is kind of a one bite wonder, if you will, in my, yep. in my mm-hmm. book. How do you approach that? So that's a great question, and 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 the one that's the easy answer for me. I don't do competitive cooking at all anymore. Okay, um, and that's a and that's a choice by me. I was really blessed in the sense I'm good friends with Chris Capel, who owns Dizzy Pig Barbecue Seasonings in Manassas, and is a big rub and seasoning distributor throughout the country. And Chris has won 15 Grand Championships with his. Uh, cook team out of Virginia and as I was really starting to get into this I would go and cook and I did several festivals with them and what I learned for me personally is all of the things that you need to do in order to win or place and how it, it seems like it shouldn't be subjective based on all the things you need to do to get that one bite and have it appear on a judge's sheet but then to see like you know the same team that won you know, the event last year doesn't even place this year and they're doing the same things. It's just, to me, it's great. And I really respect like the uh, uh, Tuffy and the people that go out there and compete all the time. Just competition isn't for me. I'm much more of a social animal in the sense of I cook for people, not for judges. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather have my cooking draw people together and hear great stories and have a great time rather than sweating it out and did uh, did I put my parsley the correct way in a turn-in box and did I have this cut the exact same way? It's just, it, it isn't for me. The bragging rights would be fun, but the, the art of competitive barbecue just isn't something that has uh, interests me long-term. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I'm in your, in your side of the court on that. People have asked me, like, do you compete? And I say, no. First of all, I spent 30 plus years of my other life, if you will, uh, competing or officiating in the horse world. And when I walked away from that a few years ago, uh, I didn't really feel the need that I had to prove myself to anybody. Now, I've been cooking on TV for 20 years out here on the West Coast. And... I've, of course, I do these radio shows and stuff, and I've been doing those for a long, long time. But they said, well, why don't you judge? I don't know. I had enough of that, too, with the horses, because I did that for a long right. time. You know, a celebrity judge, I've done a few of those. That's fine. That's fun, you know. But I wouldn't want to be having people call me and say, well, do you want to come to Nevada or do you want to come to Colorado, you know? And, and this and that. I can see where you could get hung up on it if you were good at what you did for, uh, you know, get really involved in that. I like to kind of stay neutral and just have fun. And like you were saying, and I, I'm having a ball doing this show and I've learned a lot and I've made a lot of friends and I want to keep it that way. So I stay out of the. Yeah. 
And I love going to those festivals. Like I'll go every year. We didn't this year because it was just coming out of COVID, but I go every year to Memphis in May, but yeah. I go with big green egg. I'm one of their demo cooks. And so big green egg will set up a big display in the middle of the festival called barbecue alley. And I'll be in there demoing certain things on the big green egg. And they have other barbecue chefs that aren't competing, but they're cooking. So it's really like a big green eggs way of getting a market visibility, but also be giving back to all the barbecue fans out there. Cause most people don't know when you go to a barbecue festival, they're not cooking for you. They're cooking for the judges. And so people go to barbecue festivals, thinking they're going to eat, a bunch of barbecue, but they end up going to the festival and all they could get is like Coney Island hot dogs and waffle <laughs> fries and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I love going to these festivals like with Big Green Egg or any other, you know, uh, vendor like that and cooking and really give it back to the people. And I love meeting people and seeing Ray and Tuffy and all these guys out there that really have that, you know, that festival thing down. It's just for me, I'm just the competition thing doesn't float my boat yeah i i'm with you brother i'm with you on that one thing we didn't talk about and i i wasn't on my list of questions to be honest with you it was in the notes and i didn't write a question about it so i want to throw this at you hey. burnt ends now walmart is actually serving burnt ends now i haven't had any yeah. of them but i know that some people have tried them and said oh they're fine they're good burnt uh -huh. ends seems to be this kind of how do i want to say it um Jump the shark. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. So it's the, it's the jump the shark moment for barbecue. Right. Right. So I recommend some stuff to people and, and take their, you know, cause when you start talking about it, a lot of people's eyes roll back in their head and you know, you've lost them. <laughs> okay. Right. They're gone. Um, yeah. they're, they're not going to listen to what you have to say, but it's really not that complicated. Uh, but I thought I would let you address that. Yeah, it will burn in specifically or another dish. No, burn in, in specifically, or... because really, <laughs> you know, they've, they've really kind of started to, <clears throat> you don't go to a lot of restaurants here on the West Coast and say, oh, look, they've got some burnt ends on there. You don't find them. Yeah, well, it's. Well, it's really kind of a misnomer, too, in the sense of, I mean, what a burp for the barbecue aficionados out there. You know what a burn end is. Burn end is actually the end of the point that was pointed towards the firebox or somewhere in the offset where it's getting more heat than anything else. Right. It's at the end of when they're slicing up the brisket for service because those traditional places in Texas are cutting up the point and the flat for service. And you as a customer are in line and you're saying, I want some of the, uh, the, the trim end or the, you know, the, the lean end or the fatty end point or, or flat. And if you're lucky enough to be in line when they get to the end of the point and they've got the crispy bits on the side, those are burnt ends, right? They right. didn't necessarily do anything different to them. They're the burnt end of the point on a, a whole pack of brisket. Now it became sort of cute then for people to start taking the point off, cubing up the point, saucing it, and then putting it back in the smoker until the sauce tightens up and you kind of, then you're sort of manufacturing a burnt end experience. But if you look at the very definition of the words burnt end, they're neither burnt nor are they the end of the brisket. <laughs> they're just little, they're just little cubes of meat that taste really good because they're in a very sugary sauce. 
And then you would think the world ended when people started doing pork belly burn ends, which is just cubing up pork belly, yeah. smoking the pork belly, saucing it, and serving it as little squares of pork belly. I remember Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue, was going nuts on social media saying that's not burn ends, that's no such thing. You know, if it if it's if it's a term that people could gravitate towards and it brings in the general masses to have more of uh, an interest into our world, there could be nothing wrong with it. And if they don't understand or can't differentiate between burn ends that you're getting at Walmart versus burn end, if you're lucky enough to be in the line at Franklin's Barbecue to get a true bite of a burnt end, yep. then that's part of the journey. That's part of the fun. Who am I to judge people for liking something? Oh, Not yeah. My place. Hey, look, if, you know, if it tastes good and it's got some texture to it, people are going to eat it, you know? Right. And I don't care what you call it. They're going to eat it. You know, you can yeah. say, this is Chris's cubed, you know, cabana smoker, whatever. I mean, you make right, up some right. name and then it's like, oh yeah, man, have you been over to Chris's joint? Man, that's great. You know, that's really good. And it's, it's, yeah. it's kind of funny to me, actually. Okay, a couple of fun questions here for you, Chris. Where's the strangest place you've ever had to cook? Strangest place I ever had to cook? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, if you're going in the whole history of my life, I guess it would be like camping at Boy Scouts and having to <laughs> figure out how to cook in the rain over a campfire with, like, you know, your average pots and pans. But a recent, actually, example of that is I, I was in between the move from Louisville to here. I live now near the Tampa area in Florida. And I had to go back to Louisville for a weekend because I committed to cook for this private party. And I didn't want to cancel on these people just because our house closed before their party happened. Sure. So I flew back up to go cook this party. Well, all I had with me was my knives. And I sent them a list that said, here's, you know, I'll bring the ingredients, but these are the things you're going to need. And at first I was really freaking out. Like, I don't know these people's kitchen. I don't know their grill. I don't know their environment. What if they don't have this, that, or the other? And then a buddy of mine was like, well, just think of it as like one of those cooking, you know, challenge shows. If you can't find a blender, you know, use a hand mixer, you know, whatever. Just, you know, you look at it like cutthroat kitchen or something yeah. like that. And, and it ended up being a really positive experience. And I ended up having to, you know, Jerry rigs certain kitchen tools to do certain things where I wanted to, but that was fun. And it's when you do the paradigm shift of thinking about how badly it could turn out versus, Hey, how am I going to make this a fun experience? It was a great life lesson as well as a interesting in the kitchen experience. Oh, absolutely. I did that a few years ago. <clears throat> um, actually it's been longer than just a few years, but a buddy of mine, really close friend of mine had cancer and he, he, he whipped it and that was great. But he was having a, he needed to get away. So I packed him and this was when my daughter was little and we loaded up the truck and um, our wives were coming down a couple days later, but we went to do Thanksgiving at a house at the beach. Now, if you've ever been to a rental house at the beach and I don't care if it's a Florida beach or a Texas beach or an Oregon beach, whatever, rental houses have very minimal things in their kitchen they have a few pots and pans you know basically to make soup or a can of chili or something and maybe a one fry pan like that but they don't have a lot of stuff and i was going to do a whole thanksgiving dinner 
So like you were saying, <laughs> it was a real challenge. We got it done and it was great. But, you know, we weren't we weren't using we were hand mashing potatoes, put it that way. Um which is fine instead of whipping them and and uh kind of built a roaster oven out of a out of a fairly shallow pan but uh you know but it it all worked it was all good but it was actually a lot of fun and i did the pies and stuff the day before uh like on wednesday before so you know it, it was it was really fun what is the strangest thing you've ever cooked i mean have you cooked a whole alligator have you cooked an ostrich what is what I haven't cooked. I've worked with like bison meat and ostrich meat. Uh, I've cooked eel before. I guess that's pretty much the weirdest thing I've done. Like the sashimi style eel that you get at sushi restaurant. Um, yeah, but I, 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 I've worked with a bunch of different fish, but I, I haven't really cooked anything wild, like an alligator and an ostrich egg or anything like that. I need to add that to my list, especially now down here in Florida. It seems as if I'm surrounded by alligators. I, I would feel they would get upset about being left out of my menu selection at some point. So I'll have to work that in. Yeah. You just go out and find one who volunteers and get it done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lure them in with some chicken and then get them on the grill. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one last thing, Chris, I noticed in your book that uh, when you're doing your birds, you, you spatchcocked it in here. Are, are yeah. you, are you a fan of that? I, I am at times. It depends on what we're doing. If we're going for the, um, Saturday evening post cover shot, a whole turkey has got to be in, you know, a whole turkey. But if it's for easier cooking and slicing and that, spatchcocking is kind of the way to go for me. I wanted to get your take. Yeah, the same. If you're talking about a, a regular chicken, you know, for chicken dinner, it's, you know, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to know if you take out the backbone and flatten the chicken, that the the dark meat and the white meat will be all on the same level and thus have a, a even access to meat or roasting or heat and roasting. Um, for turkey, you know, my preference is on Thanksgiving is to not spatchcock it because mm. you want that Norman Rockwell perfect centerpiece for the table. Right. But I do have a lot better luck with both moisture and the uh, timing is concerned when I spatchcock the turkey. Yeah, Thanksgiving. Yeah, so, me too. You, you nailed it. It's all about aesthetics. You want it to look like the perfect centerpiece, or you know, if it looked like it was run over by a car, <laughs> it still tasted great. But that'd be okay with you. So, <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Uh, uh-huh. geez, it's been a good. Hold on a second. I sit back up in my chair. Um, so what happens? You fall out of your chair. You know, when you've been in, <laughs> been in the studio for too long. Chris Sussman, the author of. The Four Fundamentals of Smoking, a book I would recommend. Pitmaster's Secret to Making Incredible Barbecue at Home. Also the founder of uh, barbecue, The Barbecue Buddha. I appreciate it. It's been a real joy. And you are welcome back on this show anytime you want, my friend. I'd love to be a host. This, this was the fastest hour that I've had all week. And, well, it's only Tuesday, so that's not a fair fair <laughs> you know, comment. But it went by really fast. I love talking to you, and I can't wait to do it again. We will. I promise. That's going to wrap it up for After Hours this week, folks. I want to thank Chris Sussman for taking time to, to be with us. We'll be back next week with another edition of Barbecue Nation and After Hours. And uh, remember our motto here, turn it, don't burn it. Take care, everybody.